Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, White Sox prospect podcast fans. It is Southside Sox on the Farm podcast number six. And this is the first time since episode number one when we managed to get uh, world famous James Fox to spend some time with us. Uh, This time, Anders Johansson. Johansson. Uh, (laughs) Anders is uh, hopped on with us. He is our, uh, among many things, uh, uh, jack of many trades. He is covering the Charlotte Knights for us this season. He just had his first game in person on Sunday. Uh, Barely got to have any of the free popcorn or hot dogs before he was kicked out of there because of the very truncated uh, day. But we're going to get a little bit of scoop on what it's like to be covered in Charlotte because we've never had somebody in Charlotte before. And uh, you know that other guy, (laughs) Darren Black, representing Charlotte, (laughs) you guys. Hey, hey Charlie, coming in hot. <laughs> look at me, bald-headed. What a clown. Okay, we are going to do the first half. The uh, the first half of this podcast, we're going to skim pretty quickly through low A, because let's face it, working off of, as we do with these, uh, Darren's weekly update, in this case, really three of the four MVPs this week are guys who, well, maybe aren't necessarily the ones that it, to get excited about. Uh, and in the case of the Cannonballers, it's the guy we've been talking about all year. So let's dive right into, well, first of all, welcome, guys. You guys are looking very, very adorable in your Charlotte wear. Nicely done. Thank you. Yeah, got to represent the 704. Let's jump right in because we're going to be hearing a lot from uh, Anders and the Charlotte experience. And we're going to be uh, really breaking down the team itself, even though the team is lousy. They're coming off of a pretty darn good uh, week, actually. So we're going to devote a little bit more time than usual to Charlotte in the second half of the show. Let's dive in and just go from low A all the way on up. Uh, Darren, 
we have named Jose Rodriguez the MVP for the Cannonballers for, I believe, the 68th week in a row. And uh, can you tell us anything new about what's going on? It does seem like there's been a couple, uh, not worrisome, but just a couple flagging signs in, in his game uh, over the past week. Yeah, so it basically just comes down to he's in kind of a weird slump. Um, as you, if you do read the weekly, he's hitting 286, but that doesn't really sound like a slump, but he really isn't. Uh, showing that gap power any longer. Um, so that's just kind of gone away. So his stats are going down. The WRC plus is down to 115, but he's still looking good with the K rate. It's always going to be low. That's just who he is. Um, but the walk rate is still low. So he's just kind of going through some, uh, not really hitting the ball well right now, just kind of all singles like Benjamin Bailey. Um, but he should be, nothing is indicating that he's fallen off the table. Um, he's just going through a bit of a power slump. It's worth noting, apologies to Gavin Sheets, who's been pretty much our position player MVP all year. He was surpassed this week in the voting by Jose Rodriguez. So, yes, we have a low A shortstop uh, as technically our very early, very, very early one month in MVP for the minor league uh, season. And uh, Anders, uh, have you been able to pay much attention to the system uh, at large and perhaps uh, whether or not you have, please, Offer your explanation for a team that manages to win four games in six weeks. I mean, it's really hard to explain how that happens. Uh, you would think over a month a team would be able to win more than four games, but as the <laughs> Kannapolis Cannonballers have shown, that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> um, I think uh, on a, a minor league level, it's most important to pay attention to uh, the players individually and how they're they're performing. Um, like I said, on an individual basis. So don't pay too much attention to uh, the overall record of the team when you're looking at minor leagues. Um, I think the the team is more than than the sum of its parts. So even though they've only gotten four wins, uh, there's a lot more value and talent on the team than uh, than their position in the standings might show. Aaron, um, Trace, Chase Krogman's back. He's a guy who is, uh, uh, I guess, a you could say a little more experienced than maybe the average player with a very, very young team in Kannapolis. Uh, he's basically just missing the cutoff to being sort of on our all-star squad. Uh, even though he's played like five games this year, uh, he has yeah. really maximized his opportunity. Is this a guy you see perhaps uh, moving up this year? We were told, let me, before I, I you like how I ask you a question, then I just keep talking. I'm a great host. I bet you guys really enjoy talking with me. Uh, here's another thing. Let's have both of you address this uh, before we even get to Krogman. And that is Chris Getz came out saying there's not going to be much movement this year. There's not going to be a whole lot because I don't know if that's a coronavirus yeah. thing. And there's been like 8,000 promotions and demotions already. Uh, so to that end, speak to that generally. And then, Darren, maybe uh, the idea of maybe Chase Krogman being a guy who might be moving to Winston-Salem uh, sooner than later. Yeah, so for the all the promotions and demotions, uh, like the more notable ones have been more so demotions just because of the aggressive placement with these guys with one fewer rookie league. So like Luis Maeses and Harvey Mendoza, both really young guys, inexperienced. Um, and in terms of Maeses, he's really never really put it together so far. He's just kind of a toolbox. Um, and putting them at high A was just clearly too much for them. And same with Benjamin ba- Bailey and Kannapolis, it was, um, Dan said when he went to go see him in person, he said he just looked overmatched, and you could kind of see that in the stats too. Only singles, didn't really, or he did have a homer, I believe, um, but just really just on the dumps. 
Um, but the, for legit promotions, it's kind of just Jason Billaus and then a couple other relievers, Alfredo Gomez and Lane Ramsey. So not guys that you really think in terms of kind of like high leverage arms or maybe not, may not make the team this year at all. Um, maybe Alfredo Gomez can, but um, just the bullpen's been bad. So they got to see what they have in their older arms and see what they've got and just move them up and then kind of just hope that they don't need them, but they got to keep doing well to see if they can get up there. So Darren, um, Darren, you're calling me a liar. There haven't been 8,000 promotions. You're, you're saying yeah. I'm being a little hysterical. Well, there's been a ton of, there's been a ton of injuries in, in like baseball in general. So you've got like Evan Scow going up two levels to take over for Sebi. Yeah. Um, Jared Kelly's hurt. Um, I mean, obviously you have Luis Robert and Eloy Hurts. You've got guys that are probably up in another position they shouldn't be. Um, or they're keeping older guys they probably don't really need right now. Um, it's just it's just a really messy year overall. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the domino effect of a major league organization is when there's injuries on the major league level, there's going to be stuff that trickles down all throughout the minors. Um, so, I mean, with Aloy and Luis Robert going down for, you know, majority of the season, uh, they had to move some position players up and down and, and with the bullpen struggling as much as it has so far, uh, for the White Sox, they're going to have to move some arms up and down and see what works. Um, I, I think my initial reaction to Chris Getz saying there wouldn't be very many, uh, promotions is maybe he was talking more on the major league level. I don't know if he got more specific than that, that, uh, there wouldn't be movement between minor league to, you know, low A to double A to triple A, stuff like that. Um, maybe he was talking more about, you know, we're not going to send a lot of guys up to Chicago this year. Uh, but I think it's, it's a result of the injuries that we're seeing people move around this much on all levels. Yeah. The guy he highlighted was a uh, Caleb Freeman and he's the one guy that actually hasn't moved. So <laughs> <laughs> leave it to me, uh, Anders to invite you onto the podcast with her some and then isolate you. But Hey, Darren, let's talk for a second. Skoog first triple A double. <laughs> How about that, uh, Anders? Uh, you would have no reason to know. Why would you? Skoog uh, <laughs> went to uh, high school with, I think, Darren. Uh, he yeah, went to my high yeah. school, of course. Believe it or not, by looking at us, we are not in the same class, me and Darren. Um, no. Close, real close. And yeah, really close. Like a, a senior <laughs> freshman kind of deal? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> he got hazed, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I, of course, never uh, fail to at least mention to Darren, and he's probably very annoyed to hear it, but uh, Evan also went to TCU. I went to TCU. So uh, clearly the lineage for Evan Skoog, a guy who shouldn't be at AAA. Sorry, Evan shouldn't even be in AAA, but having his first double in his first, I believe that was his first action um, yeah. at Charlotte, uh, you know, pretty cool. Yeah. Look at you paving cool. the way for major league talent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He ju- just now with that double uh, managed to outpace uh, my actual career at. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, all right. Hey, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully he sticks there. That'd be kind of fun, but he's getting an increased paycheck for a couple of days. So yeah, Good no friend. kidding. And you know, you wonder sometimes cause there are these, especially with catchers, but you got these fluke and, and I guess, I guess maybe the org arm is another guy who can move around a lot. And you wonder sometimes how often it happens when a guy does sort of get this fluky thing, where it's just like, it's his turn in the rotation. So suddenly he's in Charlotte instead, or in the case of Scoog, I'm not really sure how he ended up leapfrogging like Carlos Perez to, to get to uh, Charlotte, unless they sort of want to just trial him by fire and then just get rid of him. If he, if he flames out, I don't know what the agenda is there, but it would be sort of cool. Just one of these times, you know, LHS, TCU side, uh, just have a guy sort of get this fluky <laughs> assignment and he just kicks ass. 
<laughs> he's like, yeah, it's about time, guys. I will say he hit a, a double uh, on Sunday for his first hit in AAA, and uh, it was about two feet shy of being a home run, but it looked like easy power, so I wouldn't be surprised if his bat yeah. got him to AAA. That's what he that's what he had out of college. He just also I think tied the record for most strikeouts in a season when he was no, drafted. It's gonna happen. Just, and that uh, <laughs> that is carried over to his uh minor league playing days. Something the White Sox are not unfamiliar with. Yeah, yeah, it's a trait they really looked for in the mid uh, and late twenty tens. Well, it's good to see that the training table from Libertyville High School is paying off for Evan Scoob. Well done, Evan. Uh, okay, so we will invite Anders back into the program. Nice to have you back. Uh, welcome Hi, back. All three here. of us can speak again. And let's move up to high eight. I'm not really sure who we're going to talk about, uh, Darren, because, uh, well, okay, let me butcher another name. Travis Manio. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how French she is, but. Yeah, um, no idea. He's uh um yeah he's MVP he hit the he hit insanely this past week over 500 nuts showed power that he's never ever 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 shown in the minor league level yeah, um and so uh, I guess he, you can't say he backed into the MVP yeah no I mean this guy I mean he just had the best week of his life basically because he hit three homers he had only had one previously the like in his entire minor league career since 2018 he only had one. They're just kind of unbelievable. Um, and even before that, he was kind of a bench bat already. So he's just, um, I think he's playing for Bryce Bush mainly right now. And he is totally taking advantage of it. You might as well, I mean, uh, uh, with Luis Meneses and, uh, and uh, I'm forgetting the other guy's name right now, but with them down in uh, Kannapolis now, I mean, he might actually be a starter every day. <laughs> I mean, how do you take that out? It's kind of like you're mean. You can't really take him out proves that he has to be travis's timing was really good too because uh tiffany wince who does a lot of photography we end up picking up a yeah. lot of her stuff i happen to be at i think at least one of his homer games and so of course you know he's, he's going to be able to milk that big time you know that he actually got the round trip i think she even took some video so uh uh hey maybe he just performs when he knows the photogs there i don't know maybe you know hey when the lights are on some guys just you know they want to crack those long balls <laughs> the uh, uh the dash seem to still be just sort of doing just enough uh there's nothing really overwhelming yeah. and impressive about them but they manage you know they're basically a, uh, they're a 500 team and they're 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 eking out wins and that's maybe that's actually a good thing that they're being resourceful but sorry dash we're not really going to talk too much about you let's move up to birmingham because birmingham is uh one of the better professional teams out there definitely by far the best uh team in the white Sox organization better even than the white Sox themselves Sorry, White Sox, but um, solid rotation. We keep we keep talking about the rotation every week, and uh, nothing about that has changed. In fact, now we've got John Park, the guy who's like, oh, yeah, John Park, whatever. Yeah, uh, he's the MVP this week. I think pretty much every MVP for the Barons has been essentially just another guy in the starting rotation. And, uh, I mean, what's going on? What is going on with the rotation? This can't be the Danny Farquhar yeah. effect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, they just, I mean, John Park and Blake Battenfield are just good, like professional pitchers. They can, they spot well. Um, Park is actually striking out a few more people than normal, which is really intriguing. If you want to look at him as maybe a, maybe a potential lefty bullpen piece since they don't really have that in their system (laughs) yet. 
Um, so keep an eye on that at least. Um, but then obviously Connor Pilkington up year. Um, Jason Bilaus is now in double A and he's doing pretty well. Um, and Cade McClure, there's just a lot of guys um, that are just doing well. Um, Cade McClure had, did have that one bad start, um, but he's been mostly fine uh, throughout. Uh, but yeah, it's just, <laughs> they're all really impressive. Anders, you are going to get to see in person very soon the Ofredi Gomez experience. Uh, me and Darren have been talking about him. Uh, this guy who's dropped out of the sky and he's just basically hit the ground, hit the mountain, kicked ass. Uh, now he's in Charlotte. Uh, he's got definitely a, um, a merit promotion. Uh, but when you're looking at this, I guess just specifically rotation as a next guy you might be seeing up in Charlotte, who's the guy maybe you're most interested in seeing? Or maybe, or, and if it's a different guy, uh, who do you think will be the next, uh, perhaps to be promoted into the Charlotte rotation? Well, I mean, you can't ignore what Park has done so far, as you guys already talked about. Um, I think one of the most interesting things about Birmingham overall is that, you know, the casual fan just looking at the roster would only recognize maybe like two yeah. or three of these names. And yet here they are with a 20 and nine record uh, with a team full of people that you might not know who that is. Like, who is Lincoln Hensman? Who is Carlos Perez? You know, we obviously Mike Rodolfo is a name people might recognize. And then Connor Pilkington and Alec Hansen. Um, I, I think if we're just going on name alone and, and how long they've been around in the White Sox organization, those would be my two picks to go up to Charlotte eventually, or, um, you know, more, more uh, quickly than another name, um, Hansen and, and Pilkington. Um, and I think of the two, I would, I would say Alec Hansen might make his way to Charlotte sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, I think Birmingham just has a, a surprisingly talented roster, uh, despite what they look like on paper. Okay. Challenge round now. Um, we, we've talked all year of the trifecta of relievers of which Alec Hansen, who seems to have an extreme difficulty um, hitting the strike zone like every other game. So he may end up having to, man, he may have a whole year in Birmingham. I don't know, but Andrew Perez, Bennett Souza and the cannon, Wilkin cannon. Those are sort of like the trifecta, the guys who are sort of the up and coming relievers. And it's not as if Charlotte has a lights out pen. They've got a lot of big names, but not necessarily anybody who's just cranking it. So of those three guys, uh, each of you, let me know who you think the first one's going to be. We've got a, we got a right-hander and two lefties. Uh, maybe Sousa has the inside track. Uh, he got the Major League Camp invite this year. But, uh, Darren, give me, your, give me your pick first. Who's the first guy we're going to see in Charlotte? Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Sousa. He's older. He has uh, more saves, even though it is just two. But that just means they probably like him a bit more to put him in high leverage situations. Uh, but I'm going with Sousa. He's got everything they need. Lefty. <laughs> I want to be honest. I have not paid too close attention to Birmingham so far this year, uh, seeing as they are in Alabama and I'm in North Carolina, so I'm not as likely to go check them out. So, uh, Darren, if you want to pick a second one, <laughs> who's the second most likely, Darren? Uh, I'll pick a um, since I picked a reliever. I'll go a starter this time. Um, I think uh, it's going to be Cade McClure uh, again. Same reasons as Souza, older. Um, just one poor performance, uh, but I believe he was pretty close to being in AAA before the season too. So, Sousa and McClure, I expect to see them in Charlotte. Do we look at? I was going to say the same thing. There, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, do we look at the? Um, maybe this is a rhetorical question, but 
the invites to camp and actually doing something decent in camp. Kate McClure, I think, had a couple of decent outings. Uh, Cody Maderos sort of reversed what his trends seemed to be by having a pretty good camp. Uh, Souza got the invite. I don't think he did terribly well, but he did get the invite. Are, are those good uh, crib notes, uh, uh, guys, in terms of getting an idea of where players are on the depth chart? I, I guess it seems obvious, but it might not always be. Yeah, no, I mean, and not, it's not always like just take Jason Belaus is moving up. Uh, Alfredo Gomez is moving up. Um, I don't believe Gomez was in camp, but I could be mistaken on that one. I think he was. But yeah, if they're, if they're um, non-roster invitees or 40 man guys, obviously those are just names to keep an eye on and they probably will move up. Um, but I always, it look, if they're doing well and then if they're maybe not like Tim Beckham old, like a seasoned veteran, he's just kind of there. Uh, as a just-in-case 60-day IL kind of thing. Um, but like Sousa 26, McClure 25, I look at that as well. Yeah, I think with things like that, it's more of an indication of um, the front office kind of like where they value these players um, and just wanting to to take an extra look when everybody's kind of all gathered together in the same place. Uh, so even if they're not on the 40-man the roster or really high up in the depth chart, they are at least on the radar of some of the people up in Chicago. Uh, and they want to see how they do against, you know, major league hitters and, and kind of where they're at in their development. Um, it doesn't necessarily indicate that they're close to making it to Chicago or even being promoted to the next level wherever they are in the minor league organization. But I think it's just uh, it just kind of lets you know, OK, uh, they they have their eye on this guy for some reason. They want to see what's going on with him. Uh, so maybe maybe I'll, I'll tab that and, and check him out when when he's in the minors. It's always refreshing to see a guy really seize that opportunity. Uh, Andrew Vaughn did it in 2020 spring training. Uh, and obviously he did it in um, summer camp to a degree in Schaumburg. Your mean Mercedes absolutely did it in spring training 2020. And, and ironically, he wasn't all that great in summer camp. He wasn't really all that great in spring training this year, but you know, you wonder how much that sort of sticks. And I mean, who knows, how decisions are made these days with Tony LaRusso in charge of everything. <laughs> However, I mean, you figure that even though Tony wasn't around, uh, he made such an impact in 2020 to the point where he could confidently tweet, not that he lacks confidence, but confidently tweet after every game, see you in Chicago, see you in Chicago. Your mean loves you. Chicago loves your mean. <laughs> I mean, he's still doing it now, but back then he was he hadn't played a major league game. So yeah. it's always nice to see when guys actually get that opportunity um, by fluke or not, you know, uh, and uh, sort of run with it. So uh, that's been a lot of fun to see. And, and it carried on uh, to this year's spring training uh, as well. We are going to devote a lot of time to Charlotte. That's the second half of our show. So right now we are going to take a break. I am going to give both Darren and Anders a chance to uh, do another wardrobe pl- uh, change because, man, these fancy pants got different Charlotte hats, for God's sake. Uh, but it's going to be quick because we're only going to pause for about a second. We will be right back for the second half of Southside Sox on the Farm, podcast number six. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage 
all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, I wasn't lying. It was almost immediate. Second half of the show begins and we're going to devote it all pretty much to the Charlotte Knights and maybe looking more Charlotte Knights to the White Sox uh, because after all, we all follow the White Sox, root for the White Sox, the first place White Sox. Uh, Anders, let's start with you and just take us through a little bit of your experience. I assume it is probably your first coverage of the Knights, perhaps your first AAA coverage, but even if it isn't, uh, step us through a little bit of what your experience was on Sunday for your uh, first coverage day. Yeah, that was my first opportunity to make it out to Truist Field in Charlotte to cover a game. Um, I had been just a couple times as a fan, um, and it's a beautiful ballpark. Uh, my first my first time walking in there, I was like, all right, they're, they're not messing around here in Charlotte. <laughs> um, but I, I just moved down here to Charlotte from uh, the Chicago suburbs after living there for 26 years, so I never had an opportunity to go to uh, formerly BB&T ballpark and now Truist. Um, but yeah, uh, it was just, it's nice to walk in and see, uh, a city that really cares about their team. Cause as far as Charlotte is concerned, the Knights are their team. Um, even when you talk about the possibility of Charlotte, maybe having a major league baseball team someday, uh, people kind of say, well, the Knights are our team. So I don't know why we would need another baseball team, even though they're triple a, yeah. and you know, obviously a major league team would be MLB. Uh, these people still love the Knights and want to root for the Knights. So if that were ever the case that a major league team would make its way to Charlotte, uh, it'd be interesting to see how that works out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird watching triple A cause I was just listening to um, a, a different podcast the other day uh, and they had a, a former major league baseball player on who spent a lot of time in triple A and he talked about how uh, all the players in triple A hate it there because they're a step away from the majors and most of them know that they'll never make it. And if they do make it, they might only be there for a game or two and then never play there again. And all of the guys on the roster of a triple A team know exactly who's going to be the guy that makes it to the majors and sticks around. And uh, he said more often than not, they'd almost rather be in double A than triple A. <laughs> um, so, so that being said, you have a lot of guys here on the Charlotte Knights who have tasted what it's like to be in the majors and are now on a triple a roster for a major league franchise. That's kind of set as far as their depth chart is concerned for the next few years with young guys like Jimenez and Madrigal and Mancata. There's a lot of positions that are essentially blocked and you have really talented guys on the Knights roster, like Tim Beckham, who I believe won a gold glove or was a, a gold glove finalist at one point in his major league career. Um, he might not make it to the majors, at least not as a member of the White Sox. Uh, you have outfielders like Brian Goodwin, who was formerly in the Washington Nationals organization and played for them uh, for a couple seasons. And now he's with the White Sox, who, for all intents and purposes, have their outfield figured out for the next decade, uh, except for right field. And if Goodwin has an opportunity to tell the White Sox, Hey, maybe I'm your right fielder of the future. That'd be cool. But he's 30 years old. And I don't think a team is going to invest too heavily in a 30 year old uh, while the rest of the roster is kind of in their early twenties. Um, 
so it's just it's a it's fun watching this team but it's also like what are they doing you know like who's who's gonna be the guy are they kind of just playing because they love baseball are they playing because they really think they have a shot in this organization are they playing because they want to get traded to an organization where they would have a shot um it's it's hard being a triple a player i'm sure the uh problem for guys like uh let's say goodwin um in cracking the uh white Sox roster is that they're actually outfielders if they want to play outfield for the white Sox, they need to be at another position they need to be right. like a catcher a corner infield maybe yeah. second base uh, and then yeah. i think they got a shot so they might want to consider that at some point say hey uh wes helms could you give me a little first base time because i sort of want to play left field sometime this season for right. the white Sox. <laughs> uh does that sort of jibe with what you see from this team darren in terms of it having uh, maybe not unco- an uncommon amount but at least a standard amount of these sort of 4A guys who are just, it's fluky luck to get up. If yet another six White Sox outfielders get broken, uh, then Brian Goodwin is going to be playing on the big league team. Otherwise, it's just basically, uh, this is your uh, this is your resume line for 2021. And you hope that 2022, you maybe get a chance at Major League Camp and make a Major League roster. Yeah, for those guys, Goodwin, Tim Beckham, uh, the only reason they would ever be up is if, a 60 day IL stint for anybody um, like Tim Beckham is a middle infielder. He's there's no place to play for him. Even in, uh, in a bench role, there's Danny Mendick and Leary Garcia. So there's really not a spot. Who for can him. both play anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 60 day IL stint for them. Um, but I mean, there's also another category of four a guys that are like Gavin Sheets, Luis Gonzalez, uh, Blake Rutherford. I don't know if Jake Berger, kind of counts as that yet but you can kind of throw in his name for certain situations um and then same with the pitching staff jimmy lambert jonathan stever um obviously are the probably two biggest names but then obviously Ronaldo lopez is there and then um kind of the same story with uh veterans kind of trying to figure out a way to get back to the majors eventually it's just typical triple a roster just some guys that are just guys and then some other guys that (laughs) real depth problem um, they're just not better than Andrew Vaughn. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> no offense to Ronaldo Lopez. We're going to ignore him as a legitimate uh, rotation option for the white Sox. So let us, let's pit Jonathan Stever, this week's MVP against Jimmy Lambert, the guy that you saw Anders pitch a pretty, pretty darn good game. Um, maybe not super efficient, but definitely went deep uh, and proved something that he really needed to, because it was certainly his longest outing uh since 2018 uh what'd you see from him in that uh, sort of truncated start yeah well um with each start that he's made so far in uh in this season he's gone longer and longer into the game um his first start he pitched an inning and a third and then in his most recent start he went four and two thirds and then all the starts in between it was incrementally uh increasing uh i think his opportunity when he got called up to start that game with a doubleheader against the tigers may have kind of uh, opened what they were able to do with him here in AAA. Uh, I wanted to ask um, Charlotte Knights manager Wes Helms about that, if he had been available post-game for um, uh, an interview. But unfortunately, I wasn't able to ask him that specific question or any question because he wasn't available. Um, but I would imagine that that was the case, that uh, they were kind of taking it easy with him, coming back from Tommy John surgery. They didn't want to push him too hard. They wanted to give him time. He's in AAA, so it's not like he has to prove himself and work his way up. Um, but after he made that start in Detroit, I, th- I think you know that kind of opened the door for them to do what he 
probably wants to do, which is go long into games. I don't think any pitcher, even a reliever, wants to pitch one inning. I think if you pressed any pitcher, they'd want to be in there for as long as they can. Um, and Lambert uh, is definitely good. He looked solid on Sunday. Uh, he struck out, I believe, six through four and two-thirds. I don't have my, my notes right in front of me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I was impressed with his fastball and his command of his uh, his secondary pitches. Um, he got behind in a few counts, and he didn't let that rattle him. He did walk, I think, three. Um, but the umpire on Sunday had a really tight zone, and I don't think it was Lambert's fault necessarily uh, that, that those walks did start to pile up a little bit in his his limited work. Um, but I was really impressed with Jimmy Lambert from what I saw on Sunday. Darren, I don't know if it was Saturday or Friday. It was, it was pretty close to the game I undersaw. And that was when Jonathan, Jonathan Stever finally had his breakout start for this season, a very impressive uh, weekly MVP for him. He's a guy who's going to be sort of the, uh, the right hand or the left hand uh, for guys who would be called up or maybe even a potential mm-hmm. rotation piece going forward. Uh, what'd you see from him this week that got him the MVP? Yeah, I still think he's the after Kopech the seventh best starter in the system. So if um, if two injuries, obviously he'd be in there. But he finally had a good start. Uh, he's just been really struggling with command lately, and this time no walks, six shutout innings, quality start, first of the year. Um, he's still not striking out people like he should be, but the no walks is the thing I'm taking away from this week. Um, Because normally he had really good command in 2019 with Winston-Salem. He did do a couple jumps. uh, So maybe that kind of had him out of whack. Um, And obviously uh, going from single A to MLB is probably pretty difficult. (laughs) And he proved it by his play, but I digress. Um, But he, yeah, yeah, Brett. Well, what I was just going to say, is this the first week – that we can finally feel a little bit comfortable about the depth at Charlotte, because I've been yelling about it all off season. And even into this season about how foolish it is that we have a contention window, but we have five and a half starters maybe. And even those, a couple of those were fingers Mm -hmm. crossed starters. And now this is the first week I feel like, and granted very small sample size, but I'm feeling a little bit better about being seven deep. Yeah, I am as well. Um, uh, Stever looked great. Uh, Lambert, even though uh, when he was playing uh, in that spot start, uh, I mean, his stuff looked awesome. Um, he does have a walking problem, like seems like everybody in Charlotte does, and that's not totally fixed. Um, but the amount he's striking out people, it doesn't worry me that much. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely more confident going forward if they need to go into that seventh spot. Um, and hopefully... I, it, it probably will be Reynaldo Lopez. I've already talked myself <laughs> into that, but I'm hoping it's steeper when he comes up because um, he's he's much better. Well, and devil's advocate to the depth problem is that if the White Sox do find themselves needing another starting pitcher, there's no shortage of players that they can trade away. <laughs> they have They have plenty of guys who they could put together in a package for a reliable major league level starting pitcher. And I don't think people would even realize that they were missing from the organization because there's so much talent. In your tarot deck, Anders, I see that you have drawn the aggressive Rick Hahn GM <laughs> card. We'll see if it plays right. out that way because that is definitely an interesting question. Rick Hahn is, is, is going to have to back something up this year. He punted last year, and that's fine. It was a mini season, a weird season, a sneeze of a season. And making the playoffs last year is like, okay, it's cool. Better to make it than not. But, all right, you don't want to mortgage your team uh, in order to make a trade 
for that necessarily. Uh, but he did punt. Uh, he can't punt this year. They do not have that depth anywhere. So uh, it will be interesting to see. I like that you are drawing the aggressive card. I would say, I think my draw is maybe wait. And the, I got the wait and see card because I'm just not sure he's yeah. not going to well, talk himself out of something. But yeah. Rick, Rick Hahn is on record. Not that this has made a difference uh, in most other places where he's on record, but he's on record saying that uh, he's not here to hoard prospects. Um, so I am, I'm choosing law f- or chaotic good Rick Hahn, uh, and hoping that he'll, uh, he'll make a trade for a pitcher if need be. Yeah. My cards are, uh, that Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert are acquisitions at the end of the season. <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. The money was spent already. That's right. The money yeah. has been spent. I mean, I the Adam Engel acquisition has already worked out pretty well. That's true. Oh I can't God. believe they got him. Is that so cool? I mean, was from that? Charlotte. They got that's... him from Charlotte. The Charlotte baseball team. I mean, I can't they believe had to he purchased let... his contract. <laughs> yeah, I forget, guys. The yeah, the money was spent. It's like it's sort of like I slept through it. I don't know how I did that, but uh, hey, look at that. We ended you, up. You know, by the time those guys come back, there's going to be people on Twitter who are like, "Oh, it's like we got a brand new outfielder, so it's fine." I mean. That's not untrue. However, oh my God, are you kidding me? Please don't try to sell that to me, White Sox. Please don't. <laughs> Just don't. Let's start talking about it now so they don't. Uh, let's see. I was going to ask about whether Jake Berger or Gavin Sheets will be, uh, who, who will be a major leaguer first. But I think that the answer here is, again, it's a trick question. I'm guessing they're going to be, ma- they're both going to be major leaguers, but maybe not with the Chicago White Sox. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's whoever can be a corner outfielder before the other one. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Gavin Sheets does have the uh, – I, I, I know Jake Berger is working out. He's working out in the outfield. I know he's. You're going to see some of that. One of these games that you show up for, Anders, you're going to see him working out. You're going to be like, what is that dude doing out in the outfield? Like, oh, I get it. This guy wants <laughs> to play right field this year. <laughs> if they're going to be in the majors as a corner infielder, it's not going to be with the White Sox. Yeah, I like the Gavin Sheets in playing very good right field. Has forgotten how to catch the ball at first base. I believe he has four <laughs> errors already this year at first base. So, uh, whoops, I guess that stuff can happen. But um, yeah, saw that on Sunday. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, well, uh, we did uh, attend to a little bit of Charlotte. Maybe not as much as I would like to get into because we didn't even talk about Mike Wright. Oh, please. Like, he's not going to be the next guy called up. Uh, Tune in next time. Yeah, exactly. Tune in next time. Uh, Anders, you are out at Charlotte, I think, pretty regularly for us. I know you uh, threw down a whole bunch of games. So uh, I know the season's weird because it's like week on, week off. But uh, we'll look forward to getting more reports from you. And, Darren, um, yeah, maybe we'll be back yeah. next week I'll wearing a different hat. Would yeah, you order the, sure. If you would order the goddamn Cannonballers cap, I bet you they're going to start winning. Would you order that thing? Uh, yeah, yeah. Use some of the big <laughs> money. They won two games last week. They're on a huge rule. That's true. Yeah, they almost had a 500 week. My goodness. All right. Before we run out of time, thanks everybody for watching, listening. Thanks to Anders. Thanks for uh, uh, joining again. Uh, Darren, read Darren's stuff uh, all week on the minor league update. Anders live and from Charlotte and me. uh, I'll just keep babbling here and there. See you guys.